Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Naturally Recovering Autism, previously Naturally Healing Autism. This episode is for parents of children on the autism spectrum and for uh, people with special needs uh, as our focus, but anybody can utilize the resources here. What we do, what I do is I interview experts, and today I'm going to interview somebody on emotional clearing. And so many of us see our children with autism will grow up with experiences of lack of acceptance or self-esteem issues or many other issues that we're going to get into in this episode. And what we want to do is know how to clear those from their system so that they don't become roadblocks that prevent them from having their optimum well-being in the future and really being able to soar to the person that they were born to be. And so today, um, again, for emotional clearing, my special guest is Dr. Sobel Bunis. And I'm going to be uh, reading a brief bio for you just so you have a little background on her. And also, we're going to mention a lot of, uh, of things. And I will link to uh, Dr. Bunis's website and the information to contact, anything you need, uh, as we go along at naturallyrecoveringautism.com on the page where this podcast is released so that you have that link and those, that information written uh, as well to be able to go find easily. So Dr. Sobel Bunis grew up in Rochester, New York. She graduated from Cornell University with a degree in psychology, sociology, and child development. She worked as the, at the Devereux School in Santa Barbara, California with emotionally disturbed children in a group therapy res residential model then worked overseas as a teaching assistant in Southeast Asia, followed by several years of traveling and cooking on boats and going back to school to become a doctor of chiropractic. Uh, after now 30 years of family practice as a holistic chiropractor, serving local communities and also practicing since 1987, with families uh, also abroad globally via phone and Skype. And some of this is what we're gonna get into today. Uh, Dr. Bunis uh, is a holistic doctor of chiropractor, which means that the body, the mind, and the spirit are all addressed and considered when helping patients achieve their vibrant health. This means that besides doing just full body chiropractic adjustments, that uh, she also does extensive work with nutritional programs based on functional medicine and for chronic illnesses. But equally important is the focus on the emotional trauma held in the body, which is definitely going to be our focus today. Uh, Dr. Bunis works not only with individuals, but the entire family and the systems, and sometimes working with four generations simultaneously. So, um, Without further ado, welcome, Dr. Bunis, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Karen. I'm really excited to be here today. So, and where would you I, like to start? <laughs> I just want to let the audience know right away that, um, as many who are listening know, that I recovered my son from his symptoms of autism, and it's now been 12 years of a long journey. And in the beginning of that journey, Dr. Bunis was one of the doctors that I saw, and we did personally go through the emotional clearing technique and I have also done this work on myself as well as as my child so uh, I wanted to be able to put that out that we we uh, we do uh, know each other personally because now it's almost over a decade of this type of work together and there's it's so valuable to share with you so um, Dr. Buis first of all you know I, I probably people would like to know how did you get into uh, to, to natural medicine and, and this, this, this whole thing. How did this come about for you? Well, I grew up, as you said, in Rochester, New York, and I grew up in a very Western medicine kind of model. I was very lucky, though. My family doctor was a pediatrician who was my dad's best friend. So I had a lot of loving Western medical care by a family pediatrician. He was wonderful. But once I went out into the real world and he kicked me out and I had to, at 18, go experience other doctors, what I found was that my natural tendency to ask questions was not well received. So I was raised to be a questioner. Always ask, always ask whatever you want to know. And I've always been very, very driven. I have a huge hunger for knowledge. And so if I would go to a doctor and I had something going on, I would say, well, how did this happen? And why did this happen? And how do I prevent it from happening again? 
right? And so number one, I never got answers to those questions. And number two, I was treated like I didn't really have the right to be asking those questions. Right. Right. And for me, that was, that was not good because my father was the one who always said to me, if we didn't know something and we didn't ask, he would look at us like we were crazy. He'd say, why didn't you ask? Why? So I grew up with this idea that I had, you know, this, this full permission to ask questions, to know it, whatever I wanted to know. And I had a very, very strong desire to understand the why of things. And Western medicine never gave that to me. So fast forward to when I was in my late, late 20s in Santa Barbara, and I was in a rear end accident, and I ended up with some, some pain in my left shoulder blade. And I thought, well, what am I going to do about this? I thought, well, if I go to a Western medical doctor, I'm just going to get probably painkillers or muscle relaxants, and I don't want to do that. And at the time, a friend said to me, you know, you really should consider seeing a chiropractor. And I'd never, I knew really nothing about it. Fortunately, he sent me to a great office in Santa Barbara. And in order to become a patient there, you had to go through their patient lecture. So I went to the patient lecture and there was Dr. Tom Rook, I'll never forget it. And he stood there and he had a full skeleton and he started talking about this whole philosophy of health and everything he said really touched my heart. He said, we don't want to just treat the symptoms. We want to look for the underlying cause of the symptoms. That's what chiropractic is about. And all my lights went on, all my bells went off. I said, oh my God, I feel like I've come home. So that was my first experience of chiropractic was that feeling that I wanted to get to the root. I wanted to get, to get the why questions answered. And finally, I found a profession that that's what it was all about. Not many years later, after the years of being a boat cook, which um, none of my patients has ever guessed, they always say, what did you do before you were a chiropractor? No one's ever guessed boat cook. I'm waiting though. Now, of course, your, your clients will know. But um, I just ended up in chiropractic school in the early 80s. And one morning I woke up after being in school for about a year and they were teaching us chiropractic philosophy. And first of all, most of Western medicine doesn't really have philosophy, but chiropractic does. And they were teaching us something called the triangle of health. And the triangle of health was literally a triangle. And on the bottom of the triangle, it said structure. And over here it said chemistry. And over here it said spirit or emotions. So the, the structural part of the triangle was all about the physical body and how chiropractors like to align and, and um, adjust the physical body in order to allow the nervous system to work well and to heal the body. So that's basic chiropractic. Over here on the nutritional or biochemical side, that had to do with how the organs work and how what we eat and, and what we don't eat or the toxins we're exposed to, how that affects our health. And then the third side was the emotional spiritual side and that had to do with how emotions affect our health and well-being. So for me, this philosophy was a perfect match for how I saw the world. And I literally woke up one morning about a year into school and I went, oh, no wonder I'm here. This is such a match for who I am in the world and what I believe in. And now I know I don't have to go to work and pretend to be something I'm not. I can be fully who I am and be a doctor and take care of people. And because I grew up with such a loving doctor, I wanted to be a family doctor I wanted to take care of all the members of the family, but I wanted to take care of them in a natural way. That was a non-drug, non-surgical approach to health and well-being. And that's, that's basically how I got there. And it's different from what a lot of people were brought up with. And, uh, and now a lot of people are looking more into the holistic avenues. And right on my website, it says exactly what you said. It's uh, finding the, the causes, not just masking the symptoms. And that is the whole purpose is to be able to find out what is causing something to happen and what can you do about it naturally without invading the body, without just giving it support or getting any roadblocks or toxins and things out of the way so that the body can do its job because it knows how to do it innately. It's a very strong uh, biological entity. So we just need to support it in the right way. And um, so let's get into emotional clearing. Um, so uh, Dr. Bunis, can you describe for us what emotional clearing is and kind of, you know, how it works, et cetera? Right. I'd be happy to. And just to add on to what you just said before, I couldn't resist adding one more thing, which is mm -hmm. when you think about the body getting sick, like a cold or a flu, and you go to the doctor and you get an antibiotic, what that antibiotic does is it enters the body and it kills presumably a bad bacteria, right? That's Western medicine. You've got a problem. We consider the 
the bug is the problem, so we're going to use an antibiotic to kill it. But when you do use natural medicine, you give the body the things that it needs to do what it already knows how to do. Your body already knows how to kill that bacteria. It already knows how to resolve a cold or flu. So it's the difference between supporting it, as you said, versus coming in and taking over for it. And that's exactly, I'm, I'm glad that's on your, that you have those almost exact words on your website too. So looking at emotional clearing and how it came about, I became a chiropractor in 1987. And one of my partners came back from a seminar and said to the three of us, he said, pack your bags, we're going to San Diego. You've got to meet this doctor, this Dr. Scott Walker. And he's figured out how to deal with the emotional side of health. So we went down to San Diego, the three of us. And here was Dr. Scott Walker. He'd already been in practice, I think at least 20 years. And he said, look, he said, I'm a great chiropractor. I can adjust every bone in the body 20 different ways. I'm a great nutritional doctor. I know exactly what supplement to give for what purpose. He said, but I noticed that some of my patients still weren't getting well, and that was bothering him. Now, why would it bother him that maybe 20% of his patients weren't getting well? That's a pretty good statistic for any kind of medicine, right? Because he cared, and he was wondering why. I, I think that I'm doing everything that I can, you know, we're, we're, but what, what am I missing? What am I missing? And what it came back to was basic chiropractic philosophy. Number one, the triangle of health, emotions, chemistry, and structure. But number two, the belief that the body can heal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's primary to chiropractic. We've been saying that for, I think we've been in uh, officially a profession since 1895, somewhere around there. Right from the very beginning, it was all about the idea that the body can heal. And you know, I'm, I'm making that sound like it's a big deal, but it is a big deal because mm -hmm. most of us were not raised with this notion that we can get better. We were raised with this notion of getting sick and then sicker and then dying. And then and, the stronger your belief is, the stronger that is a reality. Exactly. That belief has a very powerful impact on how your body responds. Now, the things that you and I are talking about today, 30 years ago, you and I both know, we were given the, you know, people were saying, oh, I don't know, this sounds crazy because I was saying to my patients, after you've had an antibiotic, you should take a probiotic. You should take a supplement, a, pro, a good healthy bacteria to replace any good ones that got killed. Well, my right. patient would say, well, I have to check that with my real doctor. Okay, <laughs> your real doctor. And they would, and that doctor would say, well, I don't know, that doesn't sound safe. Right. Well, more and more doctors are starting to understand, yes, mm -hmm. when you take antibiotics, it's okay to take probiotics. So I just want to say that for 30 years, a lot of the things that you and I have been dealing with and addressing are now getting to a mainstream level of understanding. And that's why you and I are able to have a conversation right here, right now about the emotional component of health. So Dr. Scott Walker figured out, he said, I'm adjusting them, which means I'm handling the structure. I'm giving them the supplements and the diet they need, so I'm handling the chemistry. It's gotta be on the emotional side. So he did what he thought he was supposed to do. He sent people out for therapy. No and way. they came back and they said, you know what, Dr. Walker, that didn't help. Now, I'm not saying that therapy doesn't help and that sometimes it's not valuable, but for his patients, he was finding that therapy was not effectively changing their health in a positive way. So he started thinking, and, and you know, thank God for him, he was really a genius, and he figured out by studying you know, a lot of different forms of philosophy and medicine that the body, our bodies are actually holding on to emotional trauma. Things that happened in our past that we personally experienced as traumatic. We're going to go into that more later about what the individual experiences as being traumatic. And he discovered that those traumatic emotions had left an imprint. They'd left a blockage in the nervous system. Also in the meridian system, which is the Chinese version of the nervous system. But for, for the sake of our conversation, let's just say that these emotional traumas left a blockage and an actual physical imprint and pattern in the nervous system. And once it was there, it was stuck there and it wasn't gonna resolve in any natural way. And he found a way of using something called muscle testing, which is also a form of kinesiology, to trace out in a person's body where exactly that emotion was stuck. And then he developed a very gentle and wonderful technique for releasing it from the body. And what he discovered was, Yahoo, now these people who weren't getting well, we've adjusted them, we've given them their nutrition, we've cleared their emotions, and now they're getting well. All the blockages are gone. So he taught that seminar um, back in 19, I think it was 1988. So I think I was early, very early in my practice. And I started applying it right away. And I was absolutely thrilled with it because right from the beginning of my practice, I was able to be truly a family doctor using all natural medicine, addressing all aspects of health. 
And um, anyway, so that's the basic of NET and how it developed. Now, it was called neuroemotional technique, NET. And that was my first experience with emotional clearing. Now, over my 30 years of practice, I've studied a lot of different techniques. I've blended them together. I've discovered the way that works best for me and for my patients. And so I just call it emotional clearing. But my foundation was with Dr. Scott Walker, who's a genius and we're all grateful to him. There's probably 11 or 12,000 doctors around the world who are trained in this technique. And we have a research foundation that has a lot of scientific studies that shows before and after emotional clearing, real physical changes in the body. So it's a very powerful tool. And I'd, I'd like to put in at this point too, uh, for our listeners that we're talking about this so much because it, uh, we're going to really get into how it, how it can pertain to autism. And, and what that is, is the issues that our children grow up with self-esteem, not being accepted for who they are, uh, a lot of behavioral types of therapies that try to force them to behave in a specific way that's kind of just this system, but doesn't allow their freedom of, of expression. And if they succumb to that, what they learn is who I am and how I behave is not okay. So as we know, uh, I have a program that helps parents to, uh, to help to recover their children and so as your child gets better and those toxins get out of the way and their gut heals and and their brain then can function normally they're left at the end with these old self-esteem acceptance patterns that are locked in and parents are left with a lot of the issues of the mom a lot of the time you know it's it's you know so i did something wrong and it's my responsibility i'm at fault somehow for my child having autism and that's not at all what what we want anybody to to, to be believing and um, being able to know, okay, if you lose your patience sometimes with your child, that it doesn't have to be something that you have to fear for, about being a scar for you or your child later on. There are just a lot of things that can get in the way. And some of these issues can be really, really seemingly insignificant or little things, little experiences that might happen that will then make uh, a person can, can the same exact experience can happen to two people and one person can take it as oh that was no big deal didn't affect me at all somebody else might have taken it in as an emotional imprint that might affect them in the future and I know um, Dr. Bunis you have some really good examples here and I think that would be really helpful at this point if you could share some of those examples I would love to and act I love what you were saying about specifically about the autism community and what those issues are. And we're gonna get into that more at the end. So this community is really feeling supported about you know, discussing their issues in particular. But we wanna lead into it a little bit with a little more explanation about the technique and that's what I'm gonna do right now. Right. So I wanna start with an example that I think everybody will be able to relate to. So I had um, a family that I took care of and the, the son was um, about 18 months old and he was at home with his mom. And you know how kids are when they're starting to toddle, you turn around for one second and they're into something. So she turned around and he put his hand on a wall heater and started screaming. And she turns around and sees what happened. She calls 911, the paramedics arrive, they take the child, they bring him into the ambulance, they you know, get ready to go to the hospital and then they brought him back from the hospital. It turned out that the burn was not that severe. So that was good, that piece of it. But from that point on, every time they went to put him down to sleep at night, he would scream bloody murder, would not be consoled, nothing would help him. And that's when they brought him to see me. Now you can imagine anybody raising children, right? Having a screaming child and not being able to figure out what the problem is. But this was a very clear onset. Something about that experience traumatized that child and led to this this really disruptive, very uh, sad uh, behavior. So they brought the child to me and because he was too young for the muscle testing, I had to do what's called surrogate muscle testing, which means that the adult that was with him, which turned out to be his grandmother, I was doing the muscle testing on her, but testing the baby's um, patterns. And we'll go into this more a little bit later. And this child was how old at this time? He was only 18 months old. 18 months old, okay. And so everybody would think, if you use your logical mind, you would think that the burn was the trauma, 
right? You would think that that would be the part of this whole experience that locked into his nervous system and created the trauma, but it wasn't. And with doing these emotional clearing techniques, I use the muscle testing to go through each aspect of the event to see which piece of it is the piece that created the imprint on the nervous system. So for him, it wasn't the burn. It wasn't his mother freaking out. It wasn't the ambulance. It wasn't the hospital. For him, it turned out that the piece that got him was being on his back in the ambulance with the two very tall paramedics over him. For that little child, his perception was that he was in terrible danger. Yeah, he didn't know paramedics, that these were kind people trying to help them or, or even what, what was going on. He was already traumatized from the burn. Then he's put into this, this vehicle with these two huge people he doesn't know over him. Exactly. So he took that in in a different way. Exactly. And we would, we'll never really understand what happened, but we do know that every time they went to put him to bed, what were they doing? They were laying him on his back. And every time he went onto his back, apparently his body would go into the memory now of this terrifying experience and he would scream bloody murder. So we did the emotional clearing on him and I will explain later how we actually do that. We'll get into that. And that was it. That was the end of it. He stopped crying at night and he started being a normal child going to bed and falling asleep. Mm -hmm. So that's a very clear example of number one, how an emotional trauma locks into the body. And number two, that it isn't always logical, especially if you're before the age of six. When a child is um, from the time they're born up until the age of six, they don't have that sense, that pure sense of self-awareness yet that develops between ages of six and eight. So everything that happens before the age of six feels threatening on a totally different level. Once you get into age six and afterwards, not only do kids experience a trauma, but sometimes they actually develop a belief system associated with that trauma. So for example, a belief system would be uh, the world is a, a dangerous place, or I'm not lovable, or people never keep their promises. Kids have experiences, they're traumatized by it, and then they come to a conclusion. You and I would call it a limiting belief or a mistaken belief. And now that belief is locked into their energy field. And from now on, as you go through life, anytime something happens that reminds that person or that, uh, that a person of the original event, the original traumatizing event, now we've got you know, these emotional patterns coming up. So the classic example, I think, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I'm going to say it because it's one of those things that once you understand it about the body, you'll understand it about the emotional body. The first time that anybody is exposed to a bacteria that is a bacteria that would cause, let's say, a cold, right? The first time we're exposed to that, our immune system has never seen it before. So it looks at this bacteria, it creates an antibody to fight the bacteria. And after the cold is over, and after all of the debris has been cleaned up, the immune system puts a little memo into the hard drive that says, if this bad boy ever comes back again, we're ready for you. In fact, we are ready. We know exactly what antibody we have to make. They know the protein matrix and everything. So the next time that bacteria comes into the body and the immune system goes, ah, danger, we remember you and we're ready for you. That's exactly what happens with emotions. So I'm gonna give you the next example, which I think will explain this, take it to the next level for people, because I want everybody to be very clear about this. Imagine a three-year-old child with parents who are having a lot of trouble and are yelling at each other really loud. For a three-year-old child, they have no idea what's going on. They don't understand really what's happening. It just feels threatening. And depending on the child and how sensitive they are, it can feel very threatening. So now let's say that three-year-old child experiences their parents yelling and screaming at each other. They take on a deep feeling of fear and dread, which by the way, is locked into what we call the kidney part of the nervous system. So now that little body is remembering a feeling of dread and it's associated with what? Loud voices. Now let's fast forward. We've got an adult and he or she has learned to cope that every time people around them start to get upset, they jump in and they go, oh, don't get upset. Let me take care of that. Let me do that for you. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Almost everybody knows somebody like that, that mm -hmm. has become a, you know, a rescuer or a caretaker. They're, they're what we call the, um, uh, there's lots of different terms that we would use, like a codependence. Codependence is another thing. <laughs> we all know that one. <laughs> so what happens is the adult has developed a pattern of behavior that is compensating 
for an unconscious feeling of fear and dread that is associated with loud voices that goes all the way back to age three. Now, how are you going to figure this out, right? right? So let's say this person now has a loved one who says, you know, you've got this pattern. You should go see a therapist, right? So they go into therapy. They go to talk therapists. And if the therapist is really adept, they will be able to find out, oh, you're one of those kids who grew up with parents who were yelling all the time. You're sensitive to loud voices. So you've now developed this coping mechanism, right? So now this person walks out the door and goes, wow, this is who I am. I'm a little bit messed up. And this is why I'm messed up. But guess what? The pattern doesn't change. Why? Because on a very physical level, there is an imprint in the nervous system from age three called fear and dread associated with loud voices. And that's what these emotional clearing techniques will do. We find out what the emotion is, where in the body it got stuck, and then we do a technique to release it from the energy field. Now, once that is gone, what you and I would call an emotional button or trigger, once that trigger or emotional button is gone from the nervous system, that person is free to go into the world and people can yell all around them and they don't react anymore. And that's how it works. And this is a good example too of showing how, you know, then people will go to a therapist for 20 years. They're talking about what happened to them. They figure out what happened to them, why they do what they do, how they're trying to work on it on a conscious level, but the root cause is in a subconscious level and imprinted on like the hard drive of the nervous system. So that's why people will often just eventually revert or continue to stay in those old patterns and they just can't kind of switch out of them and you'll find you'll have different patterns in your life that you keep repeating it can be uh, things uh, money issues are a big one a lot of concern around money um, or you know this kind of thing with with uh, with worry or dread or things that um, that you might have uh, in relationship, your relationship issues. You might have, you know, you could even be married to one person, have a whole bunch of relationship issues and you end that marriage and then you get yourself into another relationship that you think is totally different and you find you're back in the same patterns is because you are continuing that pattern until you clear it out of your system. So this is what emotional clearing is, is the best that I have found for to clear all of this stuff out of your system. So you can, the bottom line is move forward to be who you are meant to be and not have roadblocks and things to get, that get in your way and not continue to repeat old patterns that are negative and not helping you uh, so that you can, you know, move forward in a more of a positive and, and you know, a happy way without those restrictions. Exactly, I'm glad you brought it up that way. I wanna say about therapy, therapy's a wonderful tool. And I think it's a very, very valuable tool in, in many, many regards. But when it comes to these imprints that we're talking about, these you know, uh, danger imprints, these survival imprints, these threatening imprints, talk therapy will not reach those. And so talk therapy has its limitations. And I've had many people in 30 years of practice come to me and say, oh my God, I've been in therapy for 20 years. And in 15 minutes, we release something from my body that has changed a pattern I've been working on forever. And it's in no way to discount the value of therapy. I think therapy is a wonderful tool, and, but it does not address this piece of it. So when someone comes to me who, number one, they've been to therapy for years, this is a typical case. If somebody comes to me and they say, these are people who do well with emotional clearing. Um, another person would be the type that says, oh, these little things happen and I have a huge emotional reaction. That is another clue. Something small happens, it reminds you unconsciously of this event from early on in your life and boom, there's a big emotional reaction. You're someone who might benefit from emotional clearing. Um, again, like you said, patterns, you go out with um, on, on, on dates and you end up in relationships and you say, darn it, I did it again. You know, I keep, I keep, this time I'm gonna date a different guy. This time I'm gonna date a guy who doesn't have these issues. And you see the next guy and you go, oh, he's totally different, right? six months on the road. How did I get here? Yeah. Now, in psychotherapy, they have a wonderful term. It's a sophisticated term, and it's called repetition compulsion. And what that means is the compulsion to repeat something, right? Well, in chiropractic, in the, in the NET um, uh, training that we got, Dr. Walker talked about repetition compulsion as a psychotherapy term. And we believe that what's happening is that we keep ending up in the same situation over and over again, the same unhealthy situation, because the body is trying to find a way through it. 
It's trying to put you in that same situation over and over again, hoping to push through it. And if you do keep ending up in those situations, and hopefully you end up in the hands of someone who can help you, and you can clear these patterns, boom, then you can absolutely change that pattern. The other people that do very well with emotional clearing sometimes have chronic health issues, sometimes pain that won't respond. If you're doing everything right, you're trying everything and nothing is working, very often there's an emotional blockage and that can be very valuable. So. And we can mention too that um, this can be a familial pattern that goes back in generations. I may have grown up with a mother or a father who maybe had a pattern because their mother or father had a pattern and their mother or father. So it can continue on until somebody clears it like this so that you don't pass it on to your children as well because that, that definitely can, can continue, uh, you know, keep going on into the future. So you want to put a stop to that. And, and also then, uh, Dr. Venus, can you tell us if, um, how would somebody know if they, if they went through emotional clearing and they had the treatment, how would they know if it worked? What, what, would, what would they look for? What would be different? Okay. Well, the first thing that people notice usually after a session, I can't tell you how many times in 30 years people have said, wow, I feel so much lighter mm -hmm. right after the session. But then afterwards, what they'll notice is they're no longer reacting the same way. Like they'll say to, to me later, they'll say, wow, um, I noticed that I did something. For example, I stood up and spoke at a, um, at a meeting. And after the fact, I realized, wow, I just did that without feeling nervous. And I've always been so nervous in the past when I spoke. So literally the pattern changes and they notice it after the fact. That happens a lot. The other thing that people notice is that um, certain patterns with people just resolve. Like they'll have a pattern with their child or with their husband or wife that's the same argument they have over and over and over again and all of a sudden it disappears. So let me explain this. This is a great one because let's talk about the family that, that's dealing with an autistic child. Can we imagine that maybe the father and mother occasionally get into uh, conversations where they trigger each other emotionally? That's what's happening. So for example, Mom opens her mouth, she's a grown woman, she says this, those words float over to the husband's ears, he hears it, but there's something about what she said or the way she said it that now reminds him of something happened that he's not even aware it's happening at the time, but his body remembers, age five or age six, oh, this is what the teacher said or this is what my parents said to me. And now the husband gets emotionally triggered, like a feeling comes up, a feeling of anger or resentment or frustration. So now he's a grown up. He's speaking English to his wife, but he's speaking from the standpoint, the emotional standpoint of being a six-year-old angry child who's just been spoken to by his mother in a certain way, and it made him angry. So now he speaks back to the wife. She now hears the anger in his voice or the words that he says, and it reminds her of something that happened in her past. Now, this is what you've got. You've got a couple arguing, but they're not really present in themselves and who they really are. You've got a six-year-old and a five-year-old emotionally arguing with each other. And that is so impossible to deal with. I mean, if you were conscious enough in, in that moment to say, oh, I'm triggered, well, that would be amazing. And then you could say, wait, let's, let's take a time out and come back to each other. But that's not what happens. People get caught in this and they don't realize that this person that they love and that loves them, you have now triggered each other and you're caught. So when I work with someone, and I clear the wife, let's say, first, sometimes just clearing the wife's trigger will change the whole pattern because she's no longer getting triggered by the husband. Sometimes I clear the husband first and the same thing happens. But it's really amazing how one person changes and it can affect the whole family. For years, I used to say to my patients, and I should probably send them a little note tomorrow and remind them that it's Christmas time and you're going home to visit family right? And you know there's a certain... A big bowl of triggers under the tree. We stuffed your stocking full with Monica, we've got eight nights of triggers. Okay, so here's what happens. I say to my patients, do yourself a favor, come see me for a little emotional clearing before you go home. So I remember one woman came to me and we did the muscle testing. I said, I want you to think about your mom. She's just had that third martini and all help has broken loose at the dining room table. And now it's the nightmare that you've been dreading. It's the horrible meltdown of the family, right? So we actually clear her for this trauma she's about to experience. She hasn't even experienced it yet. 
but she can imagine it. She can imagine that she's there and, you know, experiencing her mother's meltdown. And so then through that experience and the, and the technique, we find the emotion from the past that this is related to, we clear it from her body, and now she goes off to Christmas with her family. Now, don't you know, the next week she calls me up and she said, oh my God, my mother was totally different this time. I had such a good time with my family. And I said, really? Do you think your mother was different or do you think you were different? So once that trigger is gone from your energy field, you just don't experience life in the same way because you can't be pushed in the same way. Right. Sense Is that helpful? Yes. Um, I'll do a, a little sharing here with me. You know, as a parent of a child with autism too, we worry about our children a lot. Yes. And I was still, even pretty recently, my son's recovered. He's healthy. He's happy. He's doing great. He's away at college. We're very close, but I still have this, had this worry around him that I had developed. And uh, Dr. Bunis had we had worked with that, cleared it from my system. And then I found that I just completely tend to somehow let go of that. Like that worry wasn't, you know, sort of so controlling around me anymore with that, that, and, and because I knew he was fine, but then there was still this worry, uh, you know, because it had been such a pattern for so long and things had been triggered, triggered over the years where I wanted to almost protect him in a sense too, I think. And so he, you know, it's interesting as I let go of that and completely, you know, stopped worrying and, you know, didn't, didn't, things didn't bother me that were going on anymore. And, you know, and he was doing great and, and he's doing great. But then I noticed how you watched, I watched a pattern in him become even that much more free in his own life. I mean, just the, the, the growth and maturity and new developments and things and thoughts and the, the discussions that we were having about life and philosophy and things. I was like, this is like, <laughs> it was really interesting for me to just to see the change in, in him as well from, from clearing my own piece. And then it, it might be helpful for parents to know there were times years ago when before Jacob was well, that we could not do emotional clearing directly on him. So it's, it's okay. And you ask for acceptance, uh, but uh, you ask the, um, Dr. Bunos would ask me uh, or, or go through me to do the, the clearing um, for my son. So that was, um, that was, and you can do that. You don't have to directly do it to the person. If I hope that's helpful just because, some people will say, oh, my child's a teenager and they're totally resistant. They would never do this. Or my child's aggressive and they're really young. They couldn't do this. We couldn't do this with them. So uh, the practitioner will do it through the parent or somebody close to them. Yes. And it's just called surrogate clearing and it's a more advanced technique and it's very helpful. I have many patients today who are teenagers and they, they tell their mom, they say, go get that cleared for me. It's so funny. I love it. Oh God, they don't have time to come see me. So let mom do it. Okay. But <laughs> it can be done. It can be done. The, the thing that's beautiful about this technique is that we're using, and maybe I should describe it a little bit. Do you think that'd be helpful right now to give people a real feeling for the actual technique? Of how it's done? Yes. Uh, I'm sure that they're, they're dying at this point to know, okay, okay what do they do? Okay. <laughs> we no. were getting to that. We were saving it. <laughs> So if I'm, if I'm in the same room with somebody, then I'm using the muscle testing directly on the person's body, which means that I'm using um, a system that tests the difference between a strong muscle and a weak muscle to find the blockages in the body. That I'm going to say that, and you and I somewhere down the road here, not too far in the future, we're going to actually do a separate video that will show the technique, but yes. that was not our point today. This so will be coming. muscle testing, if I'm in your presence, I'm going to use muscle testing directly on your body or your child's body to find out where in the nervous system that blockage is being held and what situation in the past it goes back to. Once we found it, and we know, for example, let's say it's in the nervous system on what we call the lung uh, nervous system, the, the part of the nervous system that is related to the lung or what we call the lung meridian. That would be up here by the collarbone. So you would put one hand on that point a point on the body that relates to where that internal emotion is being held. The other point, the other hand is held over the 
forehead, which um, connects you into the emotional centers of the brain. And then at that point, we know what the emotion is that we're clearing. We know the episode that it goes back to in the past. At that point, the person will close their eyes and I will guide them to breathe in deeply and to breathe out deeply and to go back and remember that experience just like they're experiencing it right now. And that's all they have to do is breathe deeply and go right back to that original experience. Now, in that moment, our bodies cannot distinguish the difference between reality and imagined reality. So when you and I go to a movie and we see a movie, what are we seeing? We're seeing a fake reality up there. It's just light beams on a screen, but it makes us laugh, it makes us cry, it scares us. We have real emotional and physical reactions. I used to come out of scary movies with my, you know, my shoulders up around my ears. People have real emotional and physical reactions to imagined reality. So when you're going through this process and you're imagining that you're back at age six or you're imagining you're back at age 10, in that moment, your body thinks you're there. And at that moment, you are, asked, you are letting that energy let go out of the field by just the focus on, on being back there and the deep breathing and the contact with those two specific points. It's almost like hitting a delete button on your computer. Like you say to your computer, go back to this file from age six. The emotion is a feeling of dread. It happened when my parents started screaming at each other. And in that moment, your body thinks it's back there and that, that imprint will just gently, as the breathing takes place, will gently leave the energy field. Over it's, just a couple of minutes. It, even less than a couple of minutes. Yes. I mean, it, yeah. some people clear very quickly, some people take a minute or so. Um, usually what people will feel is they'll feel their breathing shift a little bit, like something lets go a little bit, or they feel like a little bit of heat. When I used to do it in the early days, I used to yawn have a big yawn when I knew I had cleared. Everybody, and sometimes a little bit of, a few tears will come up. Everybody has like a different experience of what it feels like when the emotion shifts. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, that's where the gold is. When right. you go out into the world and you're no longer reacting to that trigger. So if I'm not in the room with someone and I don't have access to their muscles directly, then I do a form of muscle testing that's on my own body, but I'm asking the questions about your body. So I'm testing your energy field using muscle testing on myself. And years ago, I discovered that it could be done from a distance. I had never done it that way before. And a friend asked me to do an emotional clearing with her. She was in LA, I was in Santa Barbara. I said, I've never tried it before. We tried it, it worked. She called me the next day and she said, you know I love you and I, you know I love being in the same room with you. She said, but I have to tell you that that worked as well as if we'd been in the room together. And I thought, okay. That's cool. It still took me a couple of years before I felt confident to, you know, to do the work distance, but now I do it all the time. I've got many patients that I've never even met. We just do work over the phone together. It's very effective. Mm -hmm. that so it can be done globally, like people can be anywhere in the world. Yes. And now that I've taken care of people, let's see, one was in Spain, one was in Bali, you know, it's starting to get global. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing, one part of a pattern too, um, we'll often have another aspect to it i've found i know in the work we've done on on me that we'll say okay it's you know it's pancreas it's this and you know and we'll we'll clear that and then you'll test again is there anything else related to this that we need to clear so there are like little pieces that you know you kind of continue you work with to to clear all of this there and then you ask until you get a, a reading at the end that says um is there anything, anything else that we need to, to work with in, in, in any realm? And then you, you wait until you get that, you know, no, we're clear. And then you can, you know, move on if there's something else. But um, it's really if you notice those patterns in yourself or your child, then um, those are the patterns that we're talking about and that we want to work with. And if some people, sometimes people will do things and they think, I don't know why I'm doing this, or I think I'm doing this, but you, we can go through the emotional clearing through muscle testing and be able to ask questions that will lead us to the answers, especially for a child, because you might not know, just like the, uh, the example that, um, that, that you gave here uh, recently, you know, earlier in the episode here, that the little boy in the ambulance, you know, we all would have imagined that that 
that his trauma would have been from the burn, right? And putting him back in bed, just reminding him of the burn or he was in pain or the, the fear. But it was really about the paramedics, those two large men over him. And when he was on his back, that's what triggered it. So, and especially if you have a child with autism or really especially if they're nonverbal, they can't relay certain things to you. So you can, you're able to do some work with that um, through the parent and also to be able to find uh, any patterns. But then again, of course, once they have gone through like, you know, the whole program, they've really, you know, you've done a lot of the, the, the physical work, the biochemical work, you've healed the gut, you get the toxins out, those things. Then you want to really make sure that you've got things cleared because they will have old patterns of, you know, they might not have been able to rate, relate to children at all in kindergarten or have friends and they were lonely and their self-esteem was hurt. Now they're in eighth grade or they're, or they're 20 years old and they're still having those feelings like nobody likes me, I'm weird, something's wrong with me, uh, self-esteem issues, you know, lots of varied things. I'm just using these as examples because they're common with children with autism. So you want to make sure that you work with those and clear those so that they don't have those roadblocks at all in their way and they can just live life to the fullest and just, you know, move forward. Exactly. And I think the emotional clearing can be done anytime. You know, you, yeah. it doesn't have to be done in a particular order. And, right. you know, and that's one thing that's really, that, that I love about being a holistic chiropractor is that you can be, you know, literally adjusting somebody's body, have them on a nutritional program and do emotional clearing at the same time. And then it's so much fun to watch people's health just rise and rise because you're dealing with all of it at the same time. So the body's getting cleaned out. They're getting supported with the right nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. their, their body is getting aligned the way it should, like you do the craniosacral work or exercise or whatever, however you're dealing with the physical side of the triangle. And then the emotional side, if you're dealing with it all at once, it's just amazing to watch people watch their health rise. One of the things I, I wanted to say you know, off of what you just said is that when we're looking for that other piece, once we've cleared the emotion, very often what we're looking for is a stuck belief because people end up with stuck beliefs. You know, the kids, these children, these wonderful children, um, you know, their, their stuck beliefs are around self-esteem, around being different, around not being accepted, um, around the other thing that, that I wanted to make sure we understand is that a lot of kids not only are sensitive to, but literally pick up the emotions of their parents. Mm -hmm. So like you were talking about, when the parents are all worried about money, the kids mm -hmm. take that on. Some Thank kids, you. when they're really young, they don't have a healthy boundary yet until they're seven or eight around emotions. So for some of those really sensitive types, I was one of those kids. I picked up everything around me. Mm -hmm. So much of the stuff that I dealt with growing up was not really about me. It was about what was going on around me. So that's really important. And the belief systems can be, belief systems come from a number of, of places. Number one, you have an emotionally traumatic experience. And from that experience, you draw a conclusion. So a child has a certain experience, comes to the conclusion, um, I'm not lovable. Um, uh, I'm you know, I'm, uh, something's wrong with me. And they carry that in their energy field. That's a belief that they took on by their own experience and the conclusion that they came to. Other beliefs are carried through the family. So you pick up your mother's or your father's belief. And the other one that I see a lot comes from a, the spiritual upbringing where, you know, whatever your, your religious upbringing is, certain beliefs within that um, religious upbringing will also be taken on by the child and can affect them too. So, you know, they just interpret things because whenever we have a powerful person in our life, whether it's our parents or our spiritual leaders, sometimes we take on those belief systems, but we take it on in a negative way because we're too young to really understand what it means. So. And these things can prevent people from getting well. And with with our kids, with people who have illnesses or have developed illnesses, many times that has developed from some emotional centerpiece that has um, caused dis-ease in the body. And so again, with, with the children with autism, it's a way for them to be happy and healthy so that they, they don't have anything preventing them from finding their, your optimum results for, for their health and happiness. Right. So Karen, you've been dealing with this personally for 22 years and professionally for 12 years. Can we talk a little bit about the specific clients that you deal with, the, the, the community that you deal with? And let's look at some of the core issues. Like we're talking about the autistic child. What about the siblings, the parents, the family members? 
what would you say are some of the key issues, let's say, with the siblings? Uh, siblings um, will have, uh, they'll hold sometimes resentment toward the autistic child because they feel that they're taking their parents away from them and they don't get a turn, they don't get any time, their parents are really focused on the, the, the child with autism. Um, they become also a caretaker. Um, they become somebody who maybe feels like they didn't get as much of their childhood. Um, they, uh, they also, um, you know, the parents then also see this sometimes. They feel, the parents a lot of the time have guilt. Um, parents also will find themselves uh, feeling like they did something wrong because there is somewhat of a blame, especially to moms of children with autism. This is a pattern that we've really worked over the years of trying to help people get rid of, but it's a very, it, when autism first rose, uh, started rising up, you know, roughly in the last 15 years or so, was it, especially in the beginning 15 and 20 years ago, was very, or more than 20, I guess now, I'm losing track. Um, but it was something that was blamed on the mother. We were called refrigerator moms. There was actually a, a, a term for it. Cold moms, you weren't available, you weren't there, or you did something wrong, it was your fault. And then there's all, uh, you know, some of the issues can be inherited from mom in utero. So then there's a guilt. Oh my gosh, I had toxins. I had candida yeast. I had these things that went into my child. So I did something wrong and this is my fault. And they just blame themselves. Um, and then there's a lot of issues around money, uh, the financial issues and the pressure. Uh, divorce is very, very high among parents of children with autism. The, the stress is, is intense. And, and as you mentioned earlier, you might have mom and dad having a discussion that turns into an argument, and it might feel like it's about what's going on now or about money, but, you know, but it's really about something that was an old trigger that happened when they were children themselves, so there's not a resolve around it. So these are just some of the things that kind of just come top of mind, but there are a lot of, uh, of different types of issues that, that can happen. Right, and once again, I wanna, I don't know if we've really uh, made this point about individuality. In other words, every human being is completely different. In it should be. And, who, and should be, and that's the beauty of who we are. And so to be understood and loved and appreciated for who you are is key in, in terms of developing mm -hmm. into a, a healthy, um, fulfilling your potential person. And the other thing is that no therapy applies to all people in the same way. In other words, not every child that you're dealing with or every family that you're um, dealing with is going to have the same issues with toxins or the same issues with gut or the same issue with food allergies. You teach people, you give them a broad base of understanding, but the families have to select and see what really applies to each child, right? It's the same thing with emotional clearing. You can't say for sure what the issues are until you get in there with an individual and you, you test them as an individual. So for example, uh, again, I'm going to give another example about how we never know where the emotional piece might be. I had a child, um, maybe she was 15 or 16 year old patient who got into a bad car accident and she lost control of her car and hit a tree. And, and in those days, every time a patient had a car accident, they would come to see me for chiropractic, but I would always do emotional clearing with them. And basically I would have them go through each aspect of the accident and slow it down like a film like frame by frame and then i would use muscle testing to see which part of the accident created the emotional trauma and created the imprint so once again would you think losing control of your car and hitting a tree would be traumatic but the piece that was holding her back from healing was the moment when the they, they called an ambulance to take her to the hospital the ambulance um driver went to call her parents this was way before there, everybody had cell phones, and couldn't reach either parent. And her parents were divorced. And it was that experience of not the accident, not the losing control of the car, not the hitting the tree, but the fact that her parents couldn't be found at that moment threw her back into age seven or eight when her parents had gotten divorced and all sorts of emotions that she was carrying. So you never know what your body is holding onto. You never know how it's affecting you, whether it's affecting your ability to heal or resolve, for example, how to, you use the term recovering or resolving from autism. Um, it could be that you have other health issues, um, 
pain or other chronic health issues and the emotion is holding it back, you just don't know. And that's why having a technique like this, having a tool like this is so valuable because the muscle testing allows us to check into you as an individual and discover where you and your body and your nervous system are held back. It's not about anybody else or anybody else's opinion. It's right. about you as an individual, always. I teach in my Autism Moms Mentor program, I do teach, uh, I have a video where I, I teach some muscle testing so people can get a, a better idea of that, but it's also a way to, to help to individualize it because the certain principles of walking through all of the different aspects around healing the gut and and various toxins like heavy metals and then also all of these certain types of brain support and repairs and and then there's comorbid symptoms that a lot of kids are, are dealing with um, like strep throat you know strep issues in the body or lyme's disease um, uh, various things that will um, cause cause more problems so you've got to make sure that you are ruling those out mold you know things that that you've got to be able to have some way to, to know for your child what's right for them and when, when is another thing too. And then various dosages, et cetera, because, you know, it's just like with emotional clearing, you, you want to be able to individualize it. You can't say, oh, this experience causes this for everybody because that's not the case at all. And everybody takes in things differently. So um, what we'll do in the future, uh, and it will be coming out. So uh, at the bottom of this uh, of this episode at naturallyrecoveringautism.com, there is a, uh, a a box where you can leave your email and your contact, so that you can it'll say never miss an episode. And in a future episode, Dr. Venus and I will be doing a video. Well, we'll be, where we'll be, she'll walk me through a little bit of patterning where we can show. Um, basically how this process is done so that you have a little bit better understanding of that. So we'll, we'll let that video out to you. So make sure you're um, on the list to never miss an episode and you'll be notified when, um, when new episodes are released, including that one. So you don't, don't want to miss out on that. Great. And Dr. Bunis can be reached um, by her website, and so uh, and she also has a phone number. She's in the United States, in California, so you know that. But she can work internationally with anyone anywhere. So if you are interested in um, reaching her, Dr. Bunis, could you give your contact information on your website? Absolutely. I'm available locally in Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo counties. I travel up and down the coast and, and service both of those counties. And my phone number is area code 805-892-2400. And my website is drsobelbunis.com. Now, I'm sure all of you know how to spell Sobelbunis. <laughs> just for the sake of the few who might not be able to, it's Dr. D-R. Sobel is S-O-B-Y-L. Bunis is B-U-N-I-S. So DrSobelBunis.com. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't have that that issue as much with Karen Thomas. Is it Karen with a K? <laughs> <laughs> <That's about Yeah>. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bunis. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap up? I think this is going to be really, really helpful for a lot of people. So I really appreciate you being with us today and sharing your experience and your expertise. And uh, do you have anything you'd like to say as last words? Um, first of all, I love being here and I, I have such a great respect for you and everything you've done and accomplished with your son and with your family and with your practice and with how you are reaching out to the community and really sharing. I think it's wonderful and I'm proud to know you and call you a friend. So I'm, and I'm happy to do whatever we need to do for your community in the future. Um, I think the last thing I want to say is in 30 years of practice, I think that's been the go-to is that the thing that's been missed the most when people come see me from elsewhere, especially if they've been around the block, the emotional piece has not been addressed. And so now, even though I still do chiropractic work and I still do nutritional programs for people, that's a part of my practice, I'm really honing in on this. I'm really wanting to expand this. And eventually next year, I'm hoping to have a whole series of um, healing sessions for people, making them accessible to people. And um, yeah, I think this is the missing piece for so many health issues. And I thank you so much for having me today. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And I will uh, release uh, when Dr. Bunis has her her programs available that she'll be releasing. So kind of an in-home type of program. 
that you can do on yourself uh, when when she has that ready it's not ready yet when she has that ready I will add the link to this page again at naturallyrecoveringautism.com where this podcast is released and um, and this is on emotional clearing. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Bunis, for being here. I appreciate you as well and, and have deep gratitude for so much that you have done for myself and my family. So thank you. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Very soon. Bye, Karen. <laughs>